Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, before we begin this episode, just a gentle warning, very gentle warning, it contains some bad language because it's about punk rock and the Sex Pistols, so it's going to contain bad language. Uh, It would be very hard to tell today's story without it. So if you're listening with little children or you've got sensitive ears or whatever, then um, you might want to skip this one, in which case I'll see you next time. But if you're still with me, I think you'll find it interesting. On with the show. What did you think of the um, the Sex Pistols as an art project thesis? Well, the Sex Pistols was a kind of an art project, really. It certainly wasn't just about the songs. The songs are great. They're basically old-fashioned rock and roll songs repackaged. But it was about everything else. It's it's about Johnny Rotten. It's about that stare that he has down the camera. It's about the Bill Grundy interview. It's all the mythology. It's the Silver Jubilee getting arrested on the River Thames. It's all about that. It's about Sid Vicious taking over. It's all all these little things. Jamie Reed's artwork packaged together. It is a it is a, a, a kind of cultural package that we call punk. Punk and the Sex Pistols as an art project? Well, not everyone would agree, but it's hard to argue when you're in the presence of a poster like Jamie Reed's Nevermind the Bollocks. I'm walking away from a warehouse on an industrial estate in West London where I spent the afternoon surrounded by the classic, legendary Sex Pistols artwork. The warehouse belongs to Sotheby's, who are selling all of this art in an auction from the 10th to the 21st of October. Now this collection, and it is an amazing collection of of Sex Pistols, I I don't want to use the word memorabilia, that's the wrong word, Sex Pistols artwork, was built by Paul Stolper and Andrew Wilson, and they have everything, original, never mind the bollocks posters that belong to Sid Vicious, they've got original lyrics by John Lydon, it really is an amazing collection. So this is an episode about the invention of punk as art, told through the story of the Sex Pistols. I hope you enjoy it. Nashville. Nashville, that's where Sid got hit by a bass. No, no, he hit the roadie with a bass guitar. Did he blind someone? I think maybe he did. Look, look. (laughs) That's great. I know, it's all good. The, all the swash sticker stuff was... the start of the Dead Kennedys. Yeah. California Uber Alice. Yeah. California Uber Alice, Uber Alice, California. Gosh, I'm in Sotheby's with Paul Stolper and Andrew Wilson. We are surrounded by 
well, it feels quite, I don't know, it feels quite... Exciting. Exciting, yeah. And this is, this is my era. We're surrounded by Sex Pistols memorabilia. It's an amazing exhibition and all this stuff is going to be sold at Sotheby's. It's all up for auction. But I thought it'd be a fantastic opportunity, because I like to discover the origins of things, that's what this podcast is about, to try and understand the origins of punk and the origins of all this beautiful stuff that's on the walls here. Um, it seems odd that the Sex Pistols have made it to Sotheby's. There's nothing more anti-Sotheby's, I can think, than the Sex Pistols back in the mid-70s, but here we are. First of all, where did you get all this stuff from? What's your background? So the back, our background, both of us, uh, is art historical. And how it physically began was us going to see a painting by another artist, an artist called Patrick Caulfield. Turns out to be a really important painting. We were very young and looking at this work in a tiny back room in an auction house in London. And we liked the painting. We knew it was good, but certainly couldn't afford it. So we sort of just started to walk out. I was always, that always upset me a bit. I was always depressed we could never buy these things, but we sort of knew what we were looking at. But anyway, on the way out, we saw the side room and we were just gripped by, I, I, I seem to remember like a, a, some poster with some vivid pink on, some color. Mm. And Andrew and I walked in and we just saw this very early rock and pop cell. And then we were both brought up short by, there was a trestle yeah. table like this, mm. and it had a bunch of things on it to do with the Sex Pistols. And one of those things is actually the flag over there, the bit of bunting with the image of the Queen on it. And it was just like an instant recognition, in a way, of something actually really significant, really important. Really exciting, really. And we could, we could adapt our, our historical knowledge and use it to start buying this arc of work and all the people who, who took part in it, this arc of work that defined a period that absolutely exploded design and fashion and what art was and we were just lucky to be there at a time when there was little competition we didn't have any money but we could put start putting together what became a collection what the hell was i doing in 19 no i wasn't i there in 19 <laughs> bloody 19 i was in london i didn't i i tell you i was massively into the sex pistols in 1990 i think I, I think the difference is most other people were into memorabilia and we yeah. weren't that's we, it okay but what we, we recognized really early on was this degree to which this was miscategorized this was categorized as memorabilia. music music memorabilia than art. and we saw it as art and we understood and came to understand more and more the way in which the imagery of punk was created was part of a total art project just, we've, I'm surrounded here by really just beautiful lots and fascinating things. Anyone who's interested in the band will just be freaking out. But what have you got in your hand? You've got something you so can read So it's the first um, press release. And if, if the question is, who are the Sex Pistols? And, you know, we can do worse than read from that and read from McLaren's Huddersfield Day gig. So this is the first press release, and just the headed Sex Pistols. Teenagers from London, Shepherd's Bush and Finsbury Park. We hate everything. The Sex Pistols are Johnny Rotten, vocals, Steve Jones, guitar, Glenn Matlock, bass, Paul Cook, drums. The boys met at the shop Sex in Chelsea's World's End in October 75. Enthused and spurred on by the shop owner, Malcolm McLaren, they became the Sex Pistols. November found them gate-crashing college gigs throughout London and its suburbs, causing, if you worry, wherever they went. Their own numbers include pretty vacant, submission, only 17, problems, no feelings. 
along with their own versions of The Who's Substitute and some lesser-known Small Faces songs. The Sex Pistols' spontaneity and honesty threatens all the highly packaged pop of the past. Sole representation and management, Malcolm Claren, 93 Bell Street, London, NW1. 01673 <laughs> We shouldn't give these numbers out, should we? 018118055. Swap From the same period. As if you had to remind me. So that, that piece of paper in your hand, which is a sort of A4 piece of paper typed out, is the kind of, that's the, the beginning. It's that's McLaren setting out his stall. It's McLaren uh, launching his own artwork. Okay. And the Sex Pistols, the band themselves, are just a part of a much bigger, in McLaren's opinion, a, a much bigger artwork. Well, tell us who Malcolm McLaren was. Malcolm McLaren was an artist and... Through, through the early 70s, he set up a shop that was involved with subcultural forms, involved with youth culture and youth rebellion, settling on fashion as a, a means of transmitting that in a way. And in 1974, he found himself in New York trying... I think, sorry, I think they're doing a fashion show... Westwood and McLaren. Well, no, McLaren goes to New York himself right. to try in, and in do... In 74. And this in is, 70, people, 74. People, will, I'm sure, have heard of um, Vivian Westwood. But they were, yeah. were they an item at the time? Yes. They were an item at the yeah. time. Yeah. 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 I mean, they ran the shop together. They Sex designed the great Sex in the King's Road. 430 King's Road. Yeah. It's still there, the world's end yeah. with a clock that runs backwards yeah. Yeah. if you yeah. yeah. happen yeah. to be down yeah. at King's yeah. Road. So it's 74... He goes to New York. He ends up managing the New York Dolls. We, uh, they were massively influential on punk, but also very glam. And, and there he came across the figure of Richard Hell, especially, and band television. And the way Richard Hell presented himself, the way the band presented themselves, the sorts of songs they sang, what they sang about, they sang about being you know, the blank generation. We don't care. All of that. And he found that after his sort of, in a way, botched attempt at managing the New York Dolls, Mm. because he'd taken it too far, he thought, well, this is taking it in another direction as well. So McLaren comes to New York, he sees all these bands, he feels this this new sense of something, this, this new counterculture. Was it basically him repackaging it and taking it back to London to go, I can somehow market this or sell this? I mean, that seems to be the, the mythology that he, he always he talks ha- about. He has in his mind, and I don't know how big it is, but he has the idea of it, the germs of a project. And he's, he's looking at fashion, he's looking at Teddy Boys as well and mixing that up. And he sees music in a band as the way to, to really to, to be the protagonists mm. for his ideas. The clothes are a way of distributing his ideas on the streets, get other people to wear those. And it was outrageous stuff. It was, quite, it was also fetish wear and rubber wear and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Let's talk about the members of the band. So these were people that Malcolm McLaren, Vivian Westwood would sort of bump into. Around, they were sort of hanging around it's the, the road. It's the shop hanging seems around to be, the, shop. Yeah. the shop is a real draw for discontented youth. A lot of time, you know, you'd be kicked out of shops if you looked a little, you know, if you had long hair. As a, as a discontented youth, that happens to me all the time. <laughs> so, they, you know, they begin to loiter around. And, of course, shops like that invites kind of different types. Yeah. And so you, you get Steve Jones going in because he would steal clothes. He was the guitarist. And he starts a band up. I don't know, you know, McLaren's 
interested in suddenly putting a band together. And he's got this Dickensian view of being a Fagin-like character and running this kind of troupe. And in the press release here, he talks about the Pistols. Yeah, I mean, this, this was a flyer that was produced for their last gig in Britain before they went to America. So this is a gig in Huddersfield on Christmas Day. And it looks like it's kind of a, it looks like a kind of lino print, or it's just a real sort of, it's a messy it's taken black. From, so it's a George Cruikshank image that was used in the 19th century for early editions of Charles Dickens for Oliver Twist. And it's basically, it's Fagin's gang in Fagin's lair. And it's, this is titled Anarchy in the UK, Christmas Day, Sex Pistols, Huddersfield. And it just starts, and, and this is all written by McLaren, scratched with a bit of doweling and dipped in ink to make the words look really scratchy and ink-stained. They are Dickensian-like urchins who, with ragged clothes and pockmarked faces, roam the streets of foggy, gaslit London, pillaging, setting fire to buildings, beating up old people with gold chains, fucking the rich up the arse, causing havoc wherever they go. Some of these ragamuffin gangs jump up on tables amidst the charred debris and with burning torches play rock and roll to the screaming delight of the frenzied, pissing, pogoing mob, shouting and spitting anarchy. One of these gangs called themselves the Sex Pistols. This true and dirty tale has been seen continuing throughout 200 years of teenage anarchy. And so, in 1978, so looking forward to going to America, there still remains the Sex Pistols. Their act of extremism is all they care about, because that's what counts, to jump right out of the 20th century as fast as you can in order to create an environment that you can truthfully run wild in. Signed Oliver Twist. God, that, this is a beautiful thing. And I think, I think in the way, if you ask where does punk come from, yes, it come, you know, comes from Richard Hell and those experiences that McLaren had in New York, but it also comes from Dickens. Yeah. It comes from the Gordon riots in yes. the 17th century, a king mob. It comes from the Situationist International. It comes from early Dada, you know, sort of art movements, effectively. The, the thing about the Sex Pistols is they weren't... Oh, wait, I say they weren't around very long, they're still going. I've seen them twice in the last 20 years. But, they, you know, we're, we're really talking about 1976, 1977. Mm. Just describe the impact that they had on music culture and popular culture in, in Britain during those times. I think it, it sort of pivots around April 76 and through much of the spring and summer of 76. They were a band followed like many others. But I think the, the key point, and you always need a bit of luck, is a band turns down, I think it might have been Queen, turns Grundy. down the Bill Grundy show. So that's what so, happened. So, so December, yes. December 1976, it goes from being a band with their mates and their fans who are mates, and it's a scene, but it's that's a nice fairly small. small scene, into being something that's national. The Bill Grundy show, this was this great seminal moment. So yeah. Bill Grundy, it was a TV show in the 1970s. That the Sex Pistols were on, and famously, Bill Grundy invited them to swear. Yeah, they have a few minutes or a minute left. Yeah. Every band is looking for a way to, to, yeah. to get attention, to get exposure, to get onto television. And he goads them. I mean, he just goads them and it's like... 
Come on, say something terrible. Say something really terrible. You filthy fucker. You dirty rotter. I reckon I could sort of restrict it up. Say it again. You dirty old man. Well, keep going, Chief. Keep going. Go on, you've got another five seconds. Say something outrageous. You dirty bastard. Go on, again. You dirty fucker. What a clever boy. What a fucking rotter. Well, that's it for tonight. It was such an outrageous thing in the mid-70s in this BBC One programme, this kind of starchy guy in a suit just telling the Sex Pistols to sweat, and they did. And look at that. We've got a a Sex Pistols bulletin in front of us with all the front page, Daily Express, Daily Mirror. This is the most famous one, The Filth and the Fury, of course. This... And, and that incredible photo of them all. I love that he says, go on, say a rude word, and Johnny Rock just goes, shit. Yes. <laughs> rude word, next question. And then it's Jones, who really doesn't care. He's got no filter whatsoever. <laughs> so do you think, was this a moment where suddenly, this is the kind of ground zero, where suddenly the Sex Pistols gained a notoriety? Definitely notoriety. And it's also a, a source of a loss of control, exactly. Yeah. The gigs get cancelled, you know. And also signing for EMI Records and then not making any records for EMI. They did the famous signing outside Buckingham Palace, Jubilee. Uh, again, it's a, it's a sort of anti-establishment and then the contract got ripped up. It's quite interesting, though, about McLaren, though. It's how, you know, I think people... I think he thought they may have gone too far and actually they'd blown it. <laughs> well, it's, it sort of became difficult to control, I think. It's, it's, it's like things slightly, or not even slightly, ran in other directions. Malcolm's art project was spinning out of control. Punk had become this maelstrom sweeping the nation with the band at its centre. Perhaps it was inevitable that things would not last very long. After the break, we're going to be talking about the other key name that shaped the art of the Sex Pistols, and that is Jamie Reed. Hi there, I'm Don Wildman, the host of the brand new podcast, American History Hit. Join me twice a week as I explore the past to help us understand the United States today. You'll hear how code breakers uncovered secret Japanese plans for the Battle of Midway, Visit Chief Poetin as he prepares for war with the British. See Walt Disney accuse his former colleagues of being communists and uncover the hidden history that lies beneath Central Park. From pre-colonial America to independence, slavery to civil rights, the gold rush to the space race, I'll be speaking to leading experts to delve into America's past. New episodes dropping every Monday and Thursday. So join me on American History Hit, a podcast by History Hit. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So as well as, obviously, the Sex Pistols, they're a band. They're famous for their music, and we can talk about that. But as much as the music and the fashion, it's about the artwork that went with it. And, and it's so, well, for me at least, it's, in, it's so recognisable in its cut-and-paste simplicity. So in front of me, I've got the famous picture of the Queen with a safety pin through her lip. And then to my left is a, a giant, never mind the bollocks, here's the Sex Pistols picture, which is basically just... As simple as it gets, typeface on a on a yellow background. Who is responsible for this and, and the look, and where did it come from? So, in 1976, Malcolm McLaren got in touch with an art school friend of his, Jamie Reed. Jamie had been previously working in Croydon for a community publishing outfit called Suburban Press, which he it was a collective. And there he developed a way of working that he brought to the Sex Pistols, taking ready-made imagery that is well-known, that people are comfortable with, whether it's the flag or a formal portrait of the Queen, a tourist brochure, and just take it and subvert it. You know, if, if one of the situations that people were living in in the 70s was one of a sort of blank acquiescence to a status quo. You take the status quo and turn it around. You reverse it, take it back on itself. And in 1977, during the Silver Jubilee, he did this to kind of genius effects. He would take the formal portraits of the Queen taken for the Jubilee by photographer Peter Grudgeon. It's an image that was on a million mugs, posters, whatever, celebrating the Queen and her Silver Jubilee. So you take that image of celebration and celebrate something else yeah. in a very transgressive way. This is, the, I'm, I'm in my hand, the, the famous picture, this one doesn't have the, the safety pin, but it's got God Save the Queen yeah. across her eyes. Yeah. There is that sense of... That, that sort of redactive things across eyes and, and almost like a bit like kind of hostage ransom note. There's a kind of criminal look to it. Yeah, it is criminal and it is verging on illegal in that sense, in, certainly in terms of the messaging that it's, it's putting out. I think there's also the degree to which you think this is a really simple image, but we're here looking at an array of different ways in which that photograph of the Queen and the flag, or not the flag, has been used and manipulated. Whether God Save the Queen is used as ransom note lettering, so as if, you know, she, the whole idea of monarchy is being held to ransom, you know, and it's across her eyes, she's blindfolded by it. 
Her mouth has been held to ransom by the Sex Pistols because that's where the Sex Pistols logo is. Or it's been cut together by a safety pin, held together so she's silenced by punk in a way. Do you think back then there was a... They kind of realised, oh, we're really onto something here. In, in, this is, this is going to be a, a massively important art movement or something more than just being a band. No, I don't think so. It really didn't last that long. It was a matter of 16 months or something. Yeah. To be honest, I think the collection that we've put together, which gives this kind of visual arc and illustrates the iconography surrounding the band, because it's not memorabilia, there aren't signed records, signed guitars. I think it gives a really amazing overview of all of those people that contributed and all that is the art, you know, that's what's left really, you know, I don't know if you still listen to the Sex Pistols. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but you know, it's this visual language that's now become the staple, you know, of so much contemporary culture that if you're going to visit revolution today, this is where you yes. go to for your kind of palette, for your kind of artistic palette. I don't think any other band, not even the Beatles, has this overall visual identity and yeah. it just so happened that with Westwood designing clothes and learning as she was making all this and making essentially blank canvases for yeah. Malcolm to provoke and you know add these kind of visual imagery that was really destructive and at one point you know arrogant and Jamie Reed with you know making a, this visual language. So these images, particularly in the sort of jubilee year. Were they shocking? Were they genuinely shocking? We talked about the Bill Grundy incident on television. But... I think they continued that level of shock and outrage. As uh, I was 14, 15 in 77, so at the time of the Silver Jubilee, I was still 14. Mm. And I remember going to the record store to queue up to buy God Save the Queen, you know, by the Sex Pistols. And it felt like a real kind of... Transgression. Piece of, yeah, <laughs> real transgression, rebellion. real act of rebellion, a real act of, you know, it's more than just a generational thing, it was something else. Yeah. I remember as well, I mean, I was younger, I was, I was eight, but I remember older kids at school with Sex Pistols stuff on and listening to the Sex Pistols and actually feeling, crikey, this is really, this is da- there is that sense yeah, of danger. dangerous. Now I look at it with a sense of fun, like the Sex Pistols for me are a funny band. I see the humour that was there, inherent yeah. there, which I didn't really see at the time. But time always allows us to, to become used to what at the start is something that is really... <laughs> you know, and I so I, establishment I, now. That's no, but I, th- but I think also there's a sense in which... And if the Sex Pistols hadn't happened, and if Malcolm McLaren hadn't existed, and punk had emerged, or something like punk had emerged, it likely wouldn't have been like this. Because in a way, the Sex Pistols and the visual language around them, done by Jamie Reid, Helen Wellington Lloyd, Ray Stevenson, all these people, really created the visual language by which people understand punk, how people understand punk, but also how people understand an imagery of rebellion as well. And that's what's, what's continued. And the music, for me, is important, but in terms of the overarching project that McLaren had, that Jamie Reid had, it was much bigger than that. You know, talk to them, and they'll... I mean, you can't talk to McLaren now, but it was politics, and it was art, and it was 
art and always art, but bigger than art because it was out in the world. When I've heard the, the, the band talking about the history, they're always quite anti Malcolm yeah. McLaren. They're saying, oh, this is all bullshit. You know, this is McLaren, you know, making it all up. And I, and I'm never quite sure who's right. I was McLaren two, really I, that I think central? There are two realities here. I think there are two realities. The reality of the band and the reality that McLaren and Jamie Reid and everybody else was working through. And it's like a Venn diagram. They overlap, they, they connect. The band wouldn't have existed or would have existed in a very different way without all of this. You need someone like McLaren to not only accept all this and allow them to do it, but egg everyone on, you know, just go to the absolute nth degree and, 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 and beyond, further, and then a bit yeah. further. It's exciting, it, is exci- it was exciting, it still is kind of exciting. It's so funny because it's all so familiar, all this stuff is so familiar, like kind of great art, it's instantly recognisable, but there is something very special about being in a room with originals. There is something about the original. We've all, you, you know, you can buy a poster of the Mona Lisa, it's meaningless, but when you're in front of things that have so much, well, cultural history, but also personal history for me, it means that this is all stuff, you know, I grew up with the Sex Pistols mythology. It was really, really important to me as a teenager growing up. I went on a pilgrimage to New York to the Chelsea Hotel with my punk girlfriend. We went to Sid Vicious's apartment and here I am in front of, uh, and never mind the Bollocks poster that was owned by, by Sid. It's, um, yeah, it, 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 it has an importance for me. I guess if you don't know anything about the Sex Pistols, it'll be meaningless. You'll be like, well, I don't get it. And this was a poster that was owned by, by his mum, but it was in, his, in the, the famous Chelsea Hotel in New York City where he famously killed his girlfriend. If he did. If, if he, he did. did. <laughs> Allegedly. And of course, it, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it even in the condition that it's in, it, 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 it does remind us the poignant, uh, tragic ending of, of Sid, and for most people that is the end of the Sex Pistols, um, but it's just the iconic image that will be in the auction. Um, and it just spells the, the end of that period, really. It's, you know, we have work and we have the first press release, and then we finish up with this, uh, never mind the bollocks, that belonged to Sid. That was the, it really was the end. I mean, the band had kind of split up, Sid was replaced, but it all fell apart in the famous American tour. Sid and Nancy, Nancy was killed, and then Sid died shortly afterwards from a drug overdose, and then the whole thing, that was kind of... Implodes. Implodes, and that was it. But it is, I mean, it's a tragic... Awful, dreadful end. Well, Johnny Rotten on stage, down on his haunches, looks at the audience and says, ever get the feeling you've been cheated? Drops the microphone and walks off. You guys have been collecting all this stuff, and I'm not saying memorabilia, this is art, as art collectors for a a good sort of 30 years now. It's going to get sold. What do you... Are you not, is it not going to be a great wrench losing all this? It is is a kind of a wrench, but I think we came to the realisation that, in a way, it's a natural way of moving forward. The arc of collecting is acquisition and then dispersal. That's it. And I think it's sort of it's good that these things go out in the world, may be seen in a slightly different way than before, understood in a different way, and other collectors can have the fun of the chase all over again. I actually bought a lottery ticket yesterday. I don't buy lottery tickets, but I thought... Afford any of this. But I bought a lottery ticket just in case, and I got an email this morning saying, We have news about your lottery tickets, and I won a prize. Look, I won £2.50. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so you won't be back in again. <laughs> 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 so which lottery?
Okay, if you're interested in seeing the collection and perhaps if you've got deep pockets, even buying something, then go to the Sotheby's website. The auction's being held online and runs from the 10th to the 21st of October. Uh, it's basically the same as an eBay auction, but fancier because it's Sotheby's and it's original Sex Pistols artwork. If you're a fan, you're going to love it. That's it. Thanks very much. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know it's a slightly different tack, a slightly different take on the idea of invention, but I really, really enjoyed it. It was a lovely trip down memory lane for me at least and I hope if you're an old punk like I am then I hope it was for you too next we're going to be finishing off our little mini series on forensics which we were supposed to do today but then we got excited about the opportunity to record this episode about the sex pistols so we'll see you next time for a little bit more on forensics and all kinds of exciting things we've got planned too thank you very very much for your company ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Ando. And I'm Fer. And we host Niñas Bien Podcast. We want to invite you to listen to our show. Niñas Bien means good girls in Spanish. But you have to know that this is not a podcast for good girls. Or for girls at all. It is a comedy podcast, so everyone is welcome to listen. We talk about sex, relationships, technology. We recommend movies and TV shows and discuss pop culture in general. And there is Chisme Ajeno too. A section we have just to gossip about everyone. So you'll find something you like here. And you'll practice your Spanish. The cleanest Spanish you'll find, we promise. And if you already hablas español, vamos a hacer tus nuevas amigas. We'll be your friends for the non-Spanish speakers. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Hosted by Acast and available to all audio platforms. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com while I still have you, very briefly, if you fancy getting all of the History Hit podcast archive and new episodes ad-free, along with hundreds of history documentaries to watch, download our app across Apple App Store, Google Play and smart TV platforms. Follow the link in the show notes or go to historyhit.com slash subscribe. There is thousands of hours of history on there, including a documentary on science in the Middle Ages with Seb Falk, and also one with me talking about the secret history of the space race. As a patented listener, you get a special gift if you use the code PATENTED at the checkout. You get 50% off your first three months. That's patented for 50% off your first three months. And if you're an Apple listener, you can subscribe for new ad-free podcast episodes within the Apple app.